Welcome to the Inspired Women Podcast. I'm your host, Megan Hall, motivational speaker, full-time psychology student, mama four, and military spouse. On this podcast, I share helpful life tips and real stories from inspirational women. Warning, sometimes we chat about taboo topics and drop some F-bombs. Thank you for tuning in with me today. Enjoy the episode. Hey guys, today I'm here with Keisha. Keisha Greaves is a motivational speaker, the founder of Girls Chronically Rock, the Massachusetts State Ambassador for the Muscular Dystrophy Association, MDA. And by the way, I just moved to Connecticut like uh, a month ago. So I'm only like an hour and a half. Oh, I live near New London. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm like... Navy. We were just talking about that sub base. Nice. Okay. <laughs> okay. So girls, uh, chronically rock www.girlschronicallyrock.com. And we'll link that up in the show notes offers inspired fashion, celebrating muscular dystrophy and other chronic illnesses. Over the past few years, Keisha has been featured in improper Bostonian Boston Voyager herself, three, three sixty Liz on biz among other outlets on and offline. And don't mind guys. If you hear me like kind of slow on the uptake, this is my first podcast interview in two months. <laughs> so, you, Keisha, you get, get to get me back in the, the swing of things. Yes. <laughs> She's lent her voice to audiences at the Spalding rehabilitation center in Charlestown, Charleston, Massachusetts General Hospital, the Boston Muscular Muscle Muscle Walk, uh, local Fill the Boots events, Cambridge City Hall, and most recently Girls Night Out for Muscular Dystrophy, a Boston area fundraising event held by Next on Scene. If you want to hear more about Keisha, visit InspiredWomenPodcast.com. I got the rest of her um, bio linked up there, so you can definitely see her there, and you can see all the links that we're going to talk about, everything like that. So Keisha, I'd love for you to tell us a little bit about people might be listening. They may not know what muscular dystrophy is. So could you just share a little bit about what that is? Sure. So muscular dystrophy is a form of muscle disease that affects the bodies all the way pretty much. It could affect like your arms, pretty much like your shoulders, all the way down to pretty much your feet. There are different forms of types. Um, like my type is called limb girdle muscular dystrophy. But then there's also like SMA, which is spinal muscular atrophy where it affects some of the people's spine and then there's also Ducent muscular dystrophy where they say that's probably like the the most popular case because I guess that affects a lot of young boys and you get it from earlier childhood and it definitely you know pretty much is like they say the worst kind so muscular dystrophy some people get it from when they were small some people get it in their early adulthood life like myself I was only diagnosed when I was in my early 20s in graduate school so it would just kind of came out of nowhere. You know, I don't know if these things are just always in our body, but then it forms later. So it was just kind of weird. You know, I was just like, you know, normal life, um, walking around. But then I noticed some things start to become off when my leg would start to like give out. Like I would totally be walking at the supermarket with my mom and sister and boom, my leg would just kind of give out. But I kind of just like brushed it off because I'm like, oh, maybe I just need to lose some weight, you know, whatever, no big deal. But then it's like, some things were just off. Like I couldn't like say, right. Um, raise my right arm to say, like, start doing exercises and things like that. So my mom was like, let's go see an orthopedic, you know, out here at Tufts Medical Center in Boston. So I'm like, all right, let's go. I go in there. They like, look at me. They're like, whoa. They're like, you know, can see something was off. They're like, you know, you probably need to go see a neurologist. So I'm like, all right. Still like, oh, whatever. It's no big deal. 
And then that's when I went to the neurologist and we did like all several test things like MRI, EKG, EMG, you name it. Um, I did, they did a muscle biopsy as well where they took a piece of muscle out of my right leg um, to test it. And then that's when they did a muscle biopsy and that's when it was determined I had muscular dystrophy. So it was like crazy because I'm like, nobody in my family seems to have it. You know, it was just kind of like, uh, where did this come from? You know, and it was like in shock, you know, because I'm like, what is that? So I had to do like research trying to figure out what it was. And of course, you know, I didn't want to read everything I was reading or hear it. I was in total denial for quite some time. I was like, I mean, it took a few years for me to totally accept the fact that I had muscular dystrophy. So for me to be now speaking about it, like on different podcasts, um, different shows, it's like, you know, if you had told me this, like back then, I would have been like, no way. You know, so it's like, because I am a true believer in that things do happen for a reason. But it was pretty like, you know, I was in total denial because I'm like, whoa, like, where did this come from? Every time I went back to the doctors, I was thinking maybe she had, you know, she got something wrong, like some test was wrong or something didn't show up. And she's going to say, no, oh, by the way, you don't have muscular dystrophy or something else. But, you know, it's like I'm dealing with it and all I can do is take things day by day. Yeah, that's true. I, I feel the same way about, um, the things that I've been through. So I'm like a domestic violence survivor. I have bipolar too. Um, so different things like that. So I understand where you're coming from that you kind of, you, you get diagnosed with these things or you've, you've had these experiences and you're like, well, I feel like I need to use this in some way because yeah. I, I have it for, you know, I can't go back. <laughs> you can't yeah, go back. Exactly. You can't break up with it. Um, and if you know those that have listened they they heard your bio and obviously you have used this in a positive manner to help raise awareness and everything like that but before you got there what kind of struggles did you experience that that made you decide I gotta do something more yeah it was like honestly like I said total in denial for like a few years it wasn't even like a month or two I mean like years like I tell people I feel like it was just probably like the other day that mm-hmm. like, you know, I came out and was like, all right. So it was like, honestly, like the first day I wrote my blog, I think on Tumblr, which was like maybe a few years ago, as I'm like typing it and writing out loud, sharing my story, it was like at that moment, I'm like, wow, like I have muscular dystrophy. It's like, mind you, not what the doctors were saying, <laughs> you know, they told me like confirmed I had muscular dystrophy, but it was like me typing it out to myself and it's like starting to get emotional. I'm like, wow, I have muscular dystrophy. Like, look at that. You know, so it was like, it took that moment. And then, because I'm such like a private person, have been all these years. So for me to even write that first blog, you know, even people were, you know, amazed and, you know, able to hear like, oh, wow, like muscular dystrophy and hearing my different symptoms and hearing like, you know, when I even used to go to job interviews, when I used to walk with my cane, I would tell them like I sprayed my ankle or I was in a car accident instead of just saying I had muscular dystrophy. So that's how much of a mindset and total denial I was. I wasn't even saying. I have muscular dystrophy and it's like, you know, looking back, of course, it's easier said than done, but it's like, I should have, you know, of course, tell them, cause you know, working for employees, it's like, you have to let them know what's going on in your body. But it's like, you know, I wasn't letting every, anyone know, but of, of course, like now, you know, I am. And after I came out with writing my blog, then I was like, you know, let me find out where the muscular dystrophy association is out here in Massachusetts. So that's when I connected with them and I met with some great staff. I was like, you know, are there any support groups? Um, people my age, you know, because there's nothing like talking to somebody that understands what you're dealing with on a regular basis. Like, you know, 
as much as support you may get from family and friends, there's nothing like talking to somebody that's living with it and can get what, you know, your struggles, your daily struggles with on a regular basis. So I'm so glad I connected with the MDA community. I was able to meet some um, female um, friends that are around my age. So, you know, we chat almost every other day. We have like questions like, oh, how do you do this? Did you see your doctors or, you know, struggling, just getting dressed on a regular basis. They can understand. So I'm so glad I'm grateful I have their support as well. So yes, it did take some time, but you know, I am now. And it's like, as you mentioned, it's like, I kind of like things do happen for a reason. I feel like, you know, because of me living with limb girdle muscular dystrophy, I now have these opportunities that I do to share my story and, you know, to incorporate that. And also that's how I started, you know, Girls Chronically Rock. So, you know, it's all coming into play for now, coming together. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. And I think that's really important when somebody's going through something to find a support group of people who can understand what you've gone through. I mean, cause it can be really lonely when you're going through something and nobody can understand cause they haven't been through it too. You know, right. they never had that lived experience. So as much as they want to say they understand, yeah, they, they don't, don't really not understand. Nope. And I'm definitely going to link the muscular dystrophy association up. So if anybody listening has also is also experiencing muscular dystrophy or has been um, diagnosed with it, that they can get the support that they need too. Um, yes. I feel like a lot of times that we just feel like we got to, you know, push through it and do this on our own and, and that we think that makes us strong. But really what makes us strong is coming together and connecting with other people so you can share stories like we do on this podcast. Exactly. Uh, so people can and understand. Um, so you shared a little bit about your symptoms earlier. Can you share with us how that has affected your life? What are, what are some ways that, I don't want to say held you back, but some ways that you found that maybe the world isn't prepared for what you have going on. You know, I've talked to people before where they never realized that, oh, there's no, um, wheelchair ramp for those that have wheelchairs, you know, stuff like that. Those little things that we normally overlook, but then when you have mm -hmm. something like this happen, then you're like, oh, I never realized that exactly, <laughs> problems yeah. exist. It's true. No, like you nailed it. It's so true. Cause just like I tell my family and friends to this day, it's like, you know, cause of course, before I was diagnosed, I was able-bodied. So, but now that I am, you know, living with muscular dystrophy, now I am using a wheelchair. It's like, these are things that I wouldn't think about. And now that I'm making my friends and family more aware of it as well. So it's like, when I do go out, you know, I pretty much Boston is pretty, you know, okay with the handicap stuff, I must say, but it's still just like the little things. So say if like I'm going to the mall, they may have a handicap parking, which is great. They have the ramp for me to get up. Perfect. But then one thing I noticed, and this has even happened at some medical offices where, you would go to the um the door and they don't have the handicap button. So those things. And I'm like, okay, if I'm in a wheelchair, you know, it's like, how do you expect me to open the door? You know, I would kind of have to wait for somebody to open the door for me. So those things, I'm just like, all right, you have everything but up until this point, you know, the ramp, the parking. But then it's like, if you don't have the handicap button for me to open the door, it's kind of like, all right, that defeats the purpose. So things like that. And then especially now going out with family and friends, traveling, you know, I always have to call advance, like, is there handicap um, parking? Um, is there is your place handicap accessible? Do you have a ramp? Do you have an elevator? So yes, those are things now that it, it takes that extra, you know, which I'm getting used to now. So I may just call ahead if, you know, my family and friends like, oh, I want to go here. I'm like, all right, let me call, make sure it's handicap accessible. Let me make sure they have a ramp. You know, because, you know, like I said, yes, Boston, we're 
pretty, you know, up to par with that stuff, but you never know. You know, I've been surprised. Like, I have called a few places and they were not handicap accessible. So I just want to be sure because it's like, I don't want to get all the way there. And then it's like, all right, because I can't walk up the stairs. And then it's like, you know, then I don't want to have to have somebody like carry me. And because I'm like, I'm not the lightest person. So it's like, you know, but yeah, those things, I definitely, you realize what took advantage of before. It's like the littlest things that you wouldn't realize. Like, oh, wow, does this have a handicap button? Is this accessible? And just the clothing people um, don't understand like just people with disabilities it takes us like a good while to get dressed on a regular basis because it's like you know we can easily lose our balance just putting on like you know our undergarments our pants so I'm grateful now that I do have a personal care attendant with me every day to help me get dressed and you know when I'm in the shower you know to help me like you know dry off and get dressed and things like that and do my hair or whatever needs to be done because it's like as much as it took me a while to get a PCA you know, because I like to be independent and I like to be kind of alone doing my own thing. That's just how I always been. It's like, you know, I'm like, well, you know, I, I need that help. You know, I need it just like the littlest things like just bending over is hard, you know, and it's like I could bend over, but then my body feels like it doesn't want to get back up, you know, so little things like that. But yes, I, so there are some challenges and, you know, because even traveling, you know, out of the country, so a lot of country places don't, are not handicap accessible. You know, it's hard to say like people in a wheelchair um, and it's hard for us to walk on the sand. That's very tough, even for an able-bodied person that, you know, I remember even walking on the thing that was annoying. So imagine my body now, you know, so that can be difficult. But I am glad to see that some beaches, you know, do have like a ramp for people to wheel their wheelchair like onto the sand. And they do provide like wheelchairs at the beach for um, people that are handicapped and they can get in those and their friends, I guess, can wheel them on the sand. So I was like, oh, that's cool. I'm glad to see that. So I hope that all beaches become that accessible in the near future. Yeah, I think as an able-bodied person, sometimes I overlook those little things. Like, I would have never thought about sand on the beach, you know? That's something you don't really think about. And anybody who's listening, we should also be aware that if we have um, a friend who needs some accommodations, that maybe we should call ahead. Like, instead of being like, oh, do you want to go to this restaurant? And you have to call ahead and do that. Why why couldn't I just call ahead if it's accessible? And they'd be like, hey... Do you want to go to this restaurant? It's all good. It has, you know, a wheelchair ramp and all the things. That would just be kind of like a nice thing we could do. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's true. (laughs) But I think we we overlook that. What are some other things? So if if somebody's listening and maybe they don't have a disability, but they are want to know how they could help a friend or family member, what kind of things could we keep in mind when, when we're out? Like I said, with the restaurant, like calling ahead instead of you having to call ahead, what are some other things that you, you find people kind of forget? Um, yeah, just like little things like, and I kind of feel like it's kind of like a visual learning experience too, where it's like, you know, me hanging out with my family and friends, like, you know, over the years and my disease has progressed, just kind of like they can see like the little things of like putting on say a jacket, for instance, like, the struggle because you know my arm's not the strongest and you know they will be like all right let me do that for you it's like they're kind of like on top of things now because they see the struggle or even like say if I'm walking out with my walker and the sidewalk can be just like a one inch but that may be hard for me to step up it's like they know automatically like that's going to be a challenge so I think just kind of like observe and of course I can totally understand it's like someone that's not living with it you know they don't understand until you kind of tell them but then it's kind of like you know I think as you're out with you know your friend that may have a disability and they may be open to talking about it. It's like, I think you would kind of observe and kind of see like what their struggle was like. Even when I go out to restaurants, like it's hard for me to use a knife and fork to cut up, say my chicken or steak. So automatically now when I'm out with family and friends, 
that aware. They're like, oh yeah, they already know to grab their knife and fork and cut it up for me because I'm like, you know, that'll be a struggle. So then that way I can just eat it with my fork and make it easier in my life. But yeah, just like, you know, what I would say, just check up on your friend, um, <clears throat> ask them if they need anything. And I know that's more easier said than done because not everybody may want to talk about it at that day. Some people are just more quiet, may not want to talk about their feelings or whatever's going on, but you know, checking on them. And you know, another thing I want to express to people is not all disabilities are visible too. Some of them are invisible, you know, cause before I was in the wheelchair walking with my cane, you know, although I walk with like a little limp, like kind of like a penguin, I would tell people I would park in the handicapped spot. And then, you know, a lot of people would look at me like, Oh, she looks young. Like, why is she parked in there? And it's like, you know, I would get those stares. So I know that feeling. It's like, you know, they didn't know I was dealing with muscular should be. It's like, obviously I got this handicap parking sign from a reason you know they don't just hand them out to anybody so you know I know what that's like they just you know they would still like oh she looks young why is she parking there and I've had people knock on my window like oh this is a handicapped spot and it's like duh like I need it you know so it's like you know so it's like you kind of never know what someone's dealing with and you never know someone's story so don't just assume someone could be parking in a handicapped spot that has asthma they also get handicapped parking as well so and some people don't know that so it's like you know they're parking there for a reason they're walking the way they do for a reason so you kind of never know what someone's dealing with or their story so that's something i learned over the years as well very true um my mom has a, a rare disease called moe moe and all the arteries in the back of her neck have collapsed and they had to do brain surgery to attach arteries from underneath her scalp to oh. her brain so she gets enough blood flow however if she walks too far she gets over exerted she could have a seizure or a stroke wow. Yeah. So she has told me before, we're, we're not very close anymore <laughs> for other reasons. Okay. Uh, but she has told me before that, you know, people have given her strange looks when she parks in the handicap parking or people have made comments um, because my mom, I mean, my mom had me at a very young age. So she is 51. Oh, yeah. okay. 51. So she's relatively young. And so people will look at her like, why is she parked in this handicap parking? Yeah. So I love that you brought up that not all disabilities are visible. Sometimes mm -hmm. we just don't know. And like you said, they don't just give out handicap parking. Like right. oh, you can have one and you can have one too. Yeah. yeah right. <laughs> <laughs> exactly so i think people really do need to keep that in mind and like you said in the very beginning like you didn't it wasn't as noticeable right. um or now it is and i think a lot of times people get really judgy mm -hmm. and don't think you know they might be like well why is she in a wheelchair or why is she do, doing you know they have the electronic buggies um yes the <laughs> grocery store and yeah and you know, sometimes people will make comments. I've overheard it in the store. Like, why does she have a buggy? She doesn't look, she looks young and you just don't know. Right. Yeah. There's like a reason. Absolutely. So now that you've shared a little bit about your journey, I'd love for you to share how you got inspired to start Girls Chronically Rock. Like yeah. a lot of times people look, here, here is such an amazing bio like yours. And they're like, how did that even get started? <laughs> <laughs> so yes, Girls Chronically Rock, you know, just to give like a background. So I did get my undergrad um, in fashion design and merchandising from Framingham State University. And then that's when I took about a year off after I graduated and then I started graduate school. So I always had a passion for fashion. always knew I wanted to be an entrepreneur, a business owner, because I just kind of like to do my own thing, my own rules. I really didn't like anybody telling me what to do. Like, it's always been that way. <laughs> so um, 
I knew I wanted to, um, you know, have a, a fashion line. I just didn't know, you know, after like being diagnosed, you know, that took some time, you know, of course, out of my head, like being in denial, trying to figure out what was going on, what my future holds for me. So I was like, you know what, I should probably, you know, incorporate this in some way with, you know, able to share my story of dealing with the chronic illnesses. Cause I'm like, I'm a person who loves graphic t-shirts. I love to wear like, you know, different like funky things and like, you know, just comfortable t-shirts. So I thought I wanted to create something with the word chronic in it. So yeah, I knew when I wanted to create something, I wanted something with the word chronic in it for chronic illnesses. So I'm like, hmm, I was just honestly lying in my bed one night and I thought girls chronically rock. And then that just kind of like stuck with me. I love the way it flowed. I love the way it sounded. And I'm like, oh, I love this. So then I started creating it. I first started off with Etsy because, you know, Etsy, like, you know, you can post your stuff like arts and crafts. And I'm like, all right, let me start selling my t-shirts there. And at that time I had like a total different logo. And then at the time I'm like, you know what? It's time to pick up. Let me revamp my logo, make it look more of me, make me feel like more confident in the logo that I'm representing. And, you know, just be more inspiring. And I was like, you know, it's time to get an official website, like not just with Etsy. So then that's when I reached out to my friend. He helped me build my website. He created my logo. So it, it revamped like totally. And I like just love the way it looks now. And then that's when I also have like other inspirational quotes online. Like I'm the, my, the girls chronically rock umbrella, like trust your dopeness. Everyone seems to like that. And I created that because it's kind of like trust and believe in yourself. You know, trust your dopeness. If you have a dream, an idea, or anything you want to do, trust and believe in yourself and just do it. And then another one, people's popular favorites is, hello, my name is Chronically Ill Badass. So that's a cool one. Everyone seems to like that one. And then I also have Walk With The Twist because I thought of that just from the reasons we discussed before. It's kind of like we all have our own signature walk, whether it's with a walk or a cane or a wheelchair. It's like, you know, because people think too, sometimes when you're in a wheelchair, you're bound, like you can't get out. And it's like, you know, I get out and walk around my apartment, you know, if needed. But of course, going out, you know, long distances, I use my wheelchair. So I love Walk With The Twist because I'm like, you know, we all have our own signature walk. And so I love that one. And then I recently just added a kid's line, Kids Chronically Rock. So that's awesome as well. And then I also added some men's line, Men Chronically Rock. Because I'm like, you know, the men, we can't forget about them as well. So yeah, definitely that's how Girls Chronically Rock all came about. And although, yes, right now it's a clothing brand of t-shirts, I do have cuff bracelets. I have some hoodie sweatshirts. But it's like, it's not just about the clothing, but I'm looking to make Girls Chronically Rock into a movement and looking to build this into an empire because it's like just to bring awareness about disabilities, muscular dystrophy. So it's like, you know, I'm looking to bring this, like just my brand and I'm looking to go to more speaking engagements just to tell my story of how Girls Chronically Rock was inspired and how I was in denial all those years. And it's like, it brought me to where I am today. So, you know, I'm just so happy that, you know, I created this brand. I'm looking to, you know, take it much further. I'm looking to get it into Macy's. I'm looking to get it into Target because Target now came out with an adaptive clothing line for people with disabilities. So I would love if my line can get in there. I'm always like tagging them on social media, getting it out there. So I'm hoping one day they would just realize and recognize it like, oh, girls finally rock. Let's have her in there. So Hey, you never know. You might get into Target. I mean, Target is the bomb. I mean, yes, who doesn't shop Target. at Target? <laughs> it's like you go in there for one thing, right? And then you're like, and you then come out with a whole cart full. Yeah. Yes. All the time. Like, every time. I, I just have to be prepared. If I go in for one thing, I'm definitely walking out with like at least a basket full of others. Yes, exactly. They definitely know how to get you. So but definitely. Yeah, I love Target. And 10% of your um, profits go to the Muscular Dystrophy Association. Yes, that's right. That's correct. 
Yeah, I did see that. So even if somebody um, is not experiencing a chronic illness, they can go on there, purchase a shirt or a, you know, a bracelet or a hoodie and be able to have, you know, some of the proceeds to go back and help this amazing association that can help other people. Yes, exactly. So the, the line is for everybody. You don't just have to have a chronic illness. It's for everybody, you know, all support and you know, inclusive, you know, you may know somebody that has a disability mm-hmm. or, you know, just for the support. Cause the t-shirt is like the sayings are really, you know, for everybody, like the men yeah. trying to be rock, trust your dopeness, walk with the twist, you know? So it's really, you know, really for everybody, but it was inspired, you know, cause of my story, but yeah, definitely. I hope, yeah, everyone can go check it out. Yeah. And it'll be linked up. Your website will definitely, we mentioned that earlier, linked up in the show notes, inspiredwomenpodcast.com. And if anybody's listening and they're like, I'm not going to go to the website, if you swipe up on your podcast app, it pops up anyways. So, you you know, click that. I mean, it's it's magical how podcasts work. I'm like, I've been doing this for over two years and all the time I'm just like, oh, I never realized that. That's so cool. (laughs) Right. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, my, the, the podcast was inspired to help women share their stories so people can connect. So I feel like stories are very powerful, you know, whether you have experienced what somebody's talking about, you'll see a little bit of yourself in that story. And so it helps raise awareness about whatever topic we're talking about. And I think you're the first person that's been on here that's talked about chronic illnesses. So wow, this okay. is great. See, yeah. you get to, you get to be the first. Yeah. Yay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you never know who else is hearing and cause they might be like, Oh wow. Like I have something similar that has happened a few times. And I'm like, wow. Cause it's like, you never know someone's story. You may know someone all your life and you're like, wait, you have that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. You just never know. Uh, but I love how you said you being in denial started this movement because there's probably other people who listen to your story as you're speaking who are also in denial and are like, yeah, I just kind of have to embrace this because once you embrace it, then you're able to find all the things you need to do. Right. Then you can find all the resources. But if you're just sitting there going, Nope, this is not me. You're not going to look for any resources at all. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, it's true. So what are some resources that you can point people to if they're listening and they're dealing with a chronic illness? Maybe they don't know where to get started because doctors and physicians and specialists don't always know where to send you. You know, I I feel like sometimes it's like a hidden gem and you're like, I've discovered this on my own. (laughs) Exactly. So yeah, I feel like for me, I noticed hashtagging on Instagram and Facebook wow has come a long way like and now you can follow the hashtagging on instagram which i love so like how i started was i would hashtag like muscular dystrophy i would hashtag limb girdle muscular dystrophy and all these different posts would come up and that's why i was i was able to connect at that time with so many other people that had muscular dystrophy just hashtagging chronic illnesses um disability awareness all of that comes up and you're able to connect with so many other individuals and i just you know would go to different people's pages and be like hey you know i can relate like i have muscular dystrophy what type do you have and that's how i've connected with others there's even support groups on facebook i'm a part of living with muscular dystrophy limb girdle muscular dystrophy so there's like so many out there for any and i meet so many people that have like say lupus um fibromyalgia which um fibromyalgia is what um actually lady gaga has I was watched her documentary. Yeah, like it was about sometime last year. And I'm like, wow. And she has a Born This Way Foundation, which is pretty cool. And 
you know, that she sponsors, you know, a lot of people too as well. But um, yeah, just hashtagging and like, honestly, just Googling and searching on Facebook definitely has helped me with connecting with other individuals and, you know, just asking that question on there, you know, because they get it at the end of the day, like, hey, how do you deal with this? Or what recommendations did you ask your doctor? So I love it. And I'm grateful for the support on the social media. Yeah, because that really helped me out to this day. Yeah, um, social media and the internet has come a long way. Yeah, uh, you know when I I am definitely an elder millennial. So <laughs> uh, when people talk about millennials, I'm like on the end of this, you know, like yeah. the very end of it. Um, so I'm an elder millennial. Uh, so I remember before there was really much for internet. I remember when there was really not. I mean, when I was a kid, we got a computer when I was uh 10 or 11 but there was it took forever to load there wasn't yeah. a lot of websites you know there was and it came along and it wasn't until my high school years early college years that it really started to kick off i was in college when facebook started yes I, that's like me too so yeah i was in college when facebook started as well you had to so have I'm a like, college what? email to join yes. Facebook. Exactly. And then sometimes I look back, I'm like, now everybody and their mother can get on Facebook yeah. now. Everybody's grandmother, great, 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 like anybody's on there now. <laughs> I know. I mean, literally everybody's on there now. Yeah. I just feel like people pop up and they'll send me friend requests. I'm like, who the hell are you? Yes. I don't even remember you. They'll send you a message. Remember, we met at this place that one time. How do you remember what my name is? Because I don't remember who you are. Exactly. But yeah, it definitely has came a long way. I'm like, wow. And then with the whole Instagram now, it's like, mm -hmm. that definitely, you know, helps people, especially promoting their businesses. And, mm -hmm. you know, as I mentioned before, meeting with other individuals with chronic illnesses, like Instagram has definitely helped me with that. So I'm like, yeah, it definitely came a long way. Wow. Yeah. And it's so nice because, you know, if you have anything going on, I remember, um, so I was recently diagnosed with bipolar too, like in February of this year. So when my psychiatric nurse practitioner sent me home with this new diagnosis, of course, I'm like Googling because I didn't believe her. I was like, no, there's exactly. no, it's not me. So I started Googling. I'm like, oh my gosh, that is me. I have all those symptoms. Wow. Yeah. But you know, before you wouldn't really, you'd have to go to the library and try to find if there was a, a book about this thing that you were wanting to learn about and they may or may not have the book. <laughs> so there, it wasn't an encyclopedia, which really wouldn't help you anyways. <laughs> so right. It's come yeah. a long way. We should it be thankful has. that we have the internet and Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and all the social medias, which I will link up all of yours in the show notes so people can yes. go check you out. So people might be thinking, how did you get into motivational speaking? I hear people all the time that are like, I want to be a motivational speaker. Yeah. How'd you do it, Megan? I'm like, I was asked to share my domestic violence story. Yeah, pretty much. That's pretty much pretty what happened. Much. I think it all started with just connecting with the muscle dystrophy. And then as I became the ambassador, for muscular dystrophy those first two years, it just kind of, you know, they would ask me to speak at different engagements, um, speak with the local firefighters, because a lot of people don't understand a lot of firefighters, you know, really all over Connecticut, New York as well, they support the Muscular Dystrophy Association, where you may see sometimes they have fill the boot where they're doing different events, they may be on the street collecting money, and you see a boot outside their fire station, they are raising money for the Muscular Dystrophy Association, so I think that is awesome. 
And I commend those firefighters all the time because I'm like, especially what they have to deal with on a regular basis. And then to turn around and raise money for people like myself, that is awesome. So just started off with speaking to the firefighters, local different events. And then I just, you know, don't get me wrong. I still get nervous to this day, even when I speak in front of people. Like people are like, oh, you probably get so used to it. And it's like, yeah, I'm Mm -hmm. like used to it, but it's like, no matter what. And the crowd can always get bigger and bigger. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, you can speak to just a little crowd and then it gets bigger and bigger each time. So I still get nervous. I still, you know, got to take a deep breath. And then I just have to remember, like, you know, I'm sharing my story. Like, right. I never really have to, like, write down notes or index cards because it's like, I'm the one living with it. I'm not speaking, like, for somebody else. Like, this is me, Keisha Graves, living with limb girdle muscular dystrophy. So it's like sharing your story is kind of like, you know, it's like your natural truth. Right. So I think that's really all it all came about. But, like, as I mentioned, I would like to do much more, like, international. Like, I would love to go to, like, say, cross-country speak over there about disability awareness um try out maybe some gene therapy like I'm always telling my doctors like mm-hmm. hey let's try out you know because it's like to me if you don't try out the drugs it's like how are we gonna know you know so I would right. like to get more into like some more like biopharmaceutical companies and chat with them so you know there's like much more I want to do with my speaking engagements you know with the girls chronically rock brand so I'm hoping that would come about soon fingers crossed <laughs> they're coming a long way with gene therapy like they're yes. able to identify so many genes that can be caused different illnesses. They still haven't come long enough with mental illness, but I mean, yeah. it still does. I mean, some mental illnesses are more because of trauma where others yeah. like bipolar, that's genetic. Like, I mean, yes, it was probably triggered by trauma as a child, but like, yeah. cause I, I felt I had symptoms when I was really young. Um, but genetic. Well, I'm pretty sure my dad's bipolar and who knows yeah. who else in my family is too. Right. I know my mom has at least depression. So I have all these different things, but they haven't identified what genes cause what mental yeah. illness. Yeah, but they're working on it. So they're coming a long way and you're right. That's somebody amazing. has to be the one to step up and be like, I'll try this, this new treatment you have. I mean, yeah. for all you know, it might work and that would be great. Yeah. So I, I, like you, um, I started motivational speaking over two years ago before I started the podcast and I still get nervous. I do Facebook lives. Why well, I, I used to be Monday through Friday. Now I do it Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Cause I'm going back to school in the fall and I'll have classes all Tuesday and Thursday. And so I won't be doing that. I'll be exhausted. No, okay. Great. <laughs> um, so people ask me, well, well, how are you so comfortable on Facebook lives? How are you so comfortable on the podcast? I'm like, it started small, right? Like I did videos before there was a Facebook live. So I remember the first videos that made me cringe. I was so nervous and I, I, my voice was shaking and I said, um, every other word and it was awful. And same with the podcast. If somebody listens to the first couple episodes of the podcast, completely different than now, we've kind of just got to ease ourselves into it and just do it. And you're still going to be nervous. But like you said, if you're sharing your story and you're not like a scientist trying to share like the statistics, it's, yeah. it's a, it comes more naturally because mm-hmm. that's your lived experience. Nobody can mm-hmm. change that for you. Exactly. It's so, so true. <laughs> is there anything else that you would like to share people with people about muscular dystrophy? Um, it just pretty much like your muscles deteriorate, um, over time, honestly, um, it does progress. My neurologist doctors were, um, did, you know, tell me that like your disease has progressed over time. And I definitely have acknowledged that. As I mentioned, I used to be like more just able-bodied without a cane or walker and, 
you know, fast forward a few years later, I was diagnosed in my early 20s. Now I'm 33. And so I'm in a wheelchair and, you know, definitely has progressed. We got more weaker, harder to get dressed on a regular basis. So it's like, imagine like your muscles are just wasting away. So I try to describe people the best way when they ask, what does it feel like? And it's like, it's so hard to describe, but like, I know when walking, I tell people, imagine like you're walking and something is pulling you back. That's what it feels like, like walking, like you're trying to walk, like, you know, when you're at the gym and it's like this rope is pulling you back to get that strength. It's like, that's how I, that's how for me personally, I don't know how someone else would describe it, but it's like, I guess in a way it is hard to describe, but that's how it feels just like walking. And some days you don't know what your body's going to feel like, wake up and my legs may feel super tired. My legs may want to give out on me and I wind up on the floor. Floor. Thankfully, I do wear my lifeline button because I do live by myself. So, you know, if I do, I hit my lifeline button then the EMTs, the firefighters, which I'm grateful they come and they'll help me up. You know, so it's like you kind of know what your, your everyday life is. Like I tell people now, it's like, yes, as much as some people like the outside may be like, oh, you got this. This don't have you. And it's like, yeah, it does. <laughs> you know, yeah, I'm being positive. I'm just being honest. It's like, no, this I this I don't have control over this muscular dystrophy. This muscular dystrophy has control over me because if I had control over it, I wouldn't have it to begin with. So it's like you know, I kind of wake up and this muscular dystrophy tells me what it wants to do, and I go with the flow. You know, I'm just taking it day by day, and you know, it's like you're tired just like sitting for too long, your body gets tired. Standing for too long, your body gets tired. So it's like it's kind of like you can't win. You know, but sometimes when I'm in my wheelchair, I do try to get up and just try to exercise around the apartment just to get those muscles active because I'm not able to do those workouts like what I used to because I don't want to like wind up on the floor so I'm safe off in my wheelchair but thankfully next week Thursday I will be starting aquatic therapy which is awesome because it's like people with muscle diseases us for in the water it's like we're like a mermaid because we can do things in the water that we can't do on land so it's so awesome I'm going to Spalding out here in Charlestown starting next week I have been many times before so I'm starting back up now when they have like the lift and everything that brings me into the pool because of course walking up and down the stairs will be too difficult so the lift is going to bring me in and at first I thought the lift was so sketchy so it's like I came a long way but now I I believe and trust in the lift and they bring me right in and I'm just so excited because the pool like really gives us a good exercise and I'm just going to be like a mermaid in the water so I'm excited and you know just to get that exercise back in the swing of things. So what sort of things do you have do you do to help minimize the progression? Can you minimize it? Is it like the ther- the aquatic therapy you're talking about or is it just going to keep going? Um, I think it pretty much is going to keep going because there's really no treatment, no care at the time. The only treatment they do say is physical therapy. So I do sometimes do on land physical therapy as well. Sometimes I will go to the facility or I have had a PT come to my home and we did some exercises here in the apartment. But um, yeah, there's really no like you know, they say, like, maybe take your vitamins and things like that. But each doctors I noticed, do have, like, their own opinions. They all maybe say different things. But, you know, all this, like, really no treatment cure. And I hope that there is one day. But honestly, they say um, just exercising, trying to eat healthy, which I'm trying to get back into the swing of things, you know. Mm-hmm. And then, um, yeah, just exercising, keeping the muscles active is only all the best thing we can honestly do right now. Yeah. Yeah. The progression, so- it's like we really have no control over it. So the physical therapy will help slow down yeah. the progression. Yeah, and just at least like get, gain some kind of the the muscles, you know, just kind of give keep them active. Like I guess keep them awake. Yeah. I guess they would say, yeah. Yeah, that makes total sense. So yeah. as we wrap up the podcast, Keisha, what would you like to leave the audience with, whether it's a collection of things or one thing, whatever you think that you want to leave that leave this conversation off with? 
Sure. So I would just like to say for, as I mentioned earlier in the podcast, is you kind of never know someone's story. So just if you see someone walking a certain way or they're parked in a handicapped spot and you may think, oh, they look too young. And it's like you kind of never know someone's story. You never know what someone's dealing with. They may be happy. They're saying look joyful, but you never know when they go home, what that person is dealing with, what they're facing. They may go home and cry the rest of the night. So you kind of just never know someone's story. So just be kind, be thoughtful, and just think you never know. And the certain things that I mentioned about the handicap, like if you see a place that doesn't have a ramp or a handicap button, you know, report that place because it's supposed to be handicapped. Mm -hmm. But just, um, yeah, just trust and believe in yourself. Trust your dopeness. And, of course, make sure to check out girlschronicallyrock.com. <laughs> yeah, to give people a little comparison, I'm 33 too. Oh, okay. So, yeah. So when you're talking about being young and, you know, on the podcast audience, I'm sure by now has seen me and heard me for a while. <laughs> uh, when you're talking about being young and getting out in a handicapped spot, like for comparison, people can think about me. We're the same age. Yeah. So people might not think, you know, like, oh crap, like somebody who is 33 could very well have, you know, a disability and need that handicap parking. Yeah. And as far as I'm pretty sure the law is all public places are supposed to have, are supposed to be handicap accessible. Yeah, they right? are, but you know, yeah. Yeah. yeah there's but still those places. Know. Yeah. <laughs> I've definitely been to places where I'm like, no, there's no way. Like, right. there's no way anybody be able to get in here. I can barely get in here. Like, there's no exactly. Way. Yeah. <laughs> you know, exactly. like steep stairs and stuff like that. I'm like, I'm young, oh. but still. Like, yeah, stairs are the worst. <laughs> the worst. Well, Keisha, thank you so much for coming on today and sharing your story. I hope people will check everything out, and I'll have all your links up in the show notes so people can connect with you, purchase a shirt, get more information. You know, you're a wealth of knowledge. You've been dealing with this for a hot second. So yes. <laughs> you, could definitely, you could definitely help people find the the way forward if they're dealing with a chronic illness too. Yes, definitely. And thank you so much for having me on your podcast. I greatly appreciate it. Thank you for being a part of the Inspired Women audience. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a rating review. And don't forget to share this out with somebody who could use some inspiration today. Tag us at Inspired Women Podcast, both on Facebook and Instagram. Have a great day.